Welcome to My Time, My Life with Trinette Faint. On this season of my podcast, I'll be talking to a variety of people, from creative entrepreneurs to business owners to writers to entertainers and others, about being bold and courageous, overcoming obstacles, and taking risks, all in the name of chasing dreams and building a career. I hope their stories will inspire you on your own journey. Thanks for listening. My guest today is Herb Ankrum, an Emmy Award-winning seasoned film and television executive producer who has worked in the entertainment industry for 20 years. Herb began his career in Los Angeles in 1995, working as a production assistant on the popular sitcom Roseanne, starring Roseanne Barr and John Goodman. After Roseanne, he shifted to film and worked several years in production roles on films like Batman and Robin, Cruel Intentions, and The Bourne Identity. In 2002, he was hired to produce on a pilot for ABC, which became Extreme Makeover Home Edition, that he produced for five seasons, garnering the show two Emmys and five Emmy nominations. Following Extreme Makeover, Herb became director of development for a production company and went on to help develop and produce shows such as NBC's School Pride and ABC's True Beauty seasons one and two. More recently, Herb worked as co-executive producer on Bravo's Real Housewives of Beverly Hills and New Jersey, Cyrus vs. Cyrus, and Southern Charm, New Orleans. He was also executive producer on the Lionsgate film Open Water 3, Cage Dive, and has several scripted projects in development. Most recently, he co-executive produced Netflix's Million Dollar Beach House and Bravo's Real Housewives in New Jersey. Currently, he ex- he is executive producing Serving the Hamptons Season 2 for Discovery+. Plus. Hey, Herb. Thanks for joining today. Hey. Wow, I'd like to meet that person. Who is that person? <laughs> well, go hold up a mirror because I think it's you. <laughs> oh, my goodness. It's, uh, that's, it's, you hear it read out like that. You're like, wow, I'm an old person. <laughs> Seasoned. Seasoned. This is, the word, this is the word we use on this show. <laughs> Seasoned professional. That is quite a resume. Very impressive. Very, very impressive. Thank you. I've been very fortunate. Ah, let's start at the beginning. Tell us um, how you came into this good fortune to work in the entertainment business. Like what, what started that for you? Um, well, I think, well, way back, uh, I've always enjoyed like in high school and college and stuff, theater and acting and performing and, um, one of my dear friends right out of high school went to New York to become a model and she mm-hmm. did that for like 15 years and I would go visit her in college and be like, wow, this, you know, the whole, all of it kind of excited mm-hmm. me, you know, whether it was yeah. modeling, the commercials, like all of that stuff and going to the movies and I mean, it just all kind of intrigued me. And um, so when I was in college, I actually, after my sophomore year of being a business major was like, this is awful. So I, <laughs> I dropped out of college and moved to LA and for, for a year and a half, I pursued doing commercials and acting myself and realized as much as I enjoyed it, that, that you, you don't have any control over your career as an actor. And you really, not that you have much more control on the business side of things, it's, it's a lot easier to control that. So I went back to college, finished my degree, and then moved back to Los Angeles to pursue producing and, uh, and really just uh, have enjoyed it ever since. And was very fortunate to, you know, continue to work for quite a long time. Um, you know, ups and, and downs. And speaking of acting, didn't you have a small role in Cruel Intentions? Do I remember that? <laughs> I deliver coffee to Christine Baranski. 
There you go. <laughs> made quite, and quite the face, the facial expression. Yes, it was. Uh, <laughs> I was actually the production coordinator on that movie, and the director, um, Roger Cumble, who's awesome. Just, I don't know. He and I clicked. He thought I was hilarious. He actually, he actually created an entire scene. And the producer at the time, Neil Moritz, was like, I am not paying for our production coordinator to join Screen Actors Guild to be in a role. And uh, so it got all the way cut down to me just like delivering coffee. But Roger zoomed in on me and it was hilarious. And to this day, I mean, Cruel Intentions was, oh, my gosh, 20, 30 years ago. Uh, You know, to this day, I get emails or text messages like I was in a hotel room at three o'clock in the morning. And there was your face. (laughs) So, uh, I need to watch that. Character. You know, I've never seen that movie. And oh, I'm gonna you have make to watch a, it. A special note to watch it and just look for that scene. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it, it's a really fun movie. It's a cool modern take on Dangerous Liaisons, you know, oh, okay. the, the original story. So uh, it's a fun story. And I love, you know, I uh, obviously at that time met like Sarah Geller and Reese Witherspoon, all those people. And they're just awesome to watch their success, but just really nice people. Um, so you mentioned how you went to LA and you realized you didn't have any control of your life being an actor. So you started, um, pursuing producing. Mm -hmm. Was there anyone that was influential, like a producer that you had met or something, somebody that kind of showed you the ropes and how difficult was it to, to start doing that? Yeah. Um, there was no one really that showed me how to, or like kind of mentored me. Um, Mm -hmm. I just was watching, you know, uh, being there for that period of time before I went back to school to, to get my degree. Um, I just saw it happening and saw producers at work and saw people on set and was like, that's what I want to do. I don't know how I'm going to get there, but Mm -hmm. that's what I want to do. Um, and then when I graduated college and moved back to Los Angeles, I just lived on couches. I couch surfed. And, um, Mm -hmm. I mean, ironically, my very first job on the Roseanne sitcom came because my mother in Virginia at home one Sunday in church was telling her friend who she's like, oh, my gosh, your son should talk to my daughter. She's a she's the executive producer of a show called Grace Under Fire, which was Brett Butler's comedy. Yep. And uh, so um, they sent me the information. I contacted Miriam uh, Trogdon was her name. And I contacted her and she was like, let's have lunch. Ironically, we went to lunch and we figured out that she was actually my substitute teacher when I was in eighth grade. Before she moved to LA, wow. she would substitute teach for her mom, who was my math teacher. I mean, it was the smallest world ever. And wow. uh, that's that woman. She's a, she was a writer producer on the <clears throat> on Grace Under Fire got me a meeting with the executive vice president of Mars of Carsey Warner, which was the company that produced Roseanne yeah. and the Cosby show at different strokes, uh, Sybil, all these shows. Wow. And, uh, That's incredible. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. And I went in and met with him and he, you know, I expected to have 10 minutes with him. We, I stayed in his office for like 45 minutes. We just chatted. And at the end he said, call me every week till I get you a job. And he got me a job on the Roseanne television show. Wow. Yeah. Another reason for everyone <laughs> to be nice to their mothers. You, the you never know. <laughs> yeah. You never know. Absolutely. You never know where your jobs are going to come from. And you also, one of the biggest things I've learned in this business is never burn a bridge. Um, yeah. Because, you know, yeah. someone that you're working with or for could end up being your boss the next year. Exactly. <laughs> it happens and for how big the business is, it's really small. Very, very small. Really, really small. Yeah. Very small. Well, yeah. it seems like, you know, your early years in college studying business really came in handy as a producer because it's not Absolutely. all that different 
you know. Absolutely. I still can't balance a checkbook, but (laughs) 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 which is why on all my shows, it's good to have a line producer and someone who actually does the budgeting so that I don't have to do it. (laughs) Uh, They just like to tell me no, because I like to spend more money than I should. So. What were some of the challenges you faced when you started producing and how did you overcome them? Um, I think, well, I, I, listen, it's prehistoric days now. It's so long ago, but um, I, I think that some of the challenge, well, I think the challenges even for today when people try to get into this business is, is it, unless you go to work for a company like Netflix, Disney, ABC, whatever, a, pro, mm-hmm. you know, a studio, if you're freelancing, it's very difficult because you work on a job and then you don't have a job. So you'll do yeah, a show yeah. for six weeks or five weeks or however long the show is. And then it ends. And if you don't have a show to go on to, then you are, you know, you're, you're basically unemployed. You're living yeah. on your savings. Um, you're drawing unemployment. You are basically laid off. So you can draw unemployment with, but that's mm-hmm. not a lot of money either, especially nowadays. Right. And um, so that was one of the challenges. Yeah. I mean, in LA, I think even on unemployment, I think the highest rate you can make is like four fifty a week on unemployment. Mm. I mean, that doesn't even cover your rent in Los Angeles. Um, yeah. So it, that's, that was one of the biggest struggles was kind of really figuring out how to live in between and pick up gigs, day gigs, things like that through friends. Um, I was very blessed to this, I mean, still to this day, but very blessed to have parents who filled in in the mm-hmm. lean times in the beginning, like when I was not work, um, they were very helpful because they understood the business and knew, knew what I was going through. And that was not my fault if I could not land a job right, right away. Um, so that was helpful, but I think that was one of the biggest struggles. And um, other yeah, than it's, that, it's, it's not so glamorous when you talk about those sort of things. Like people yeah. tend to think these Hollywood jobs are so glamorous and stuff, but you yeah. know, there's certainly an element to glamour to them. Yes. But it comes with all this other stresses you can't even conceive of unless you're you're in it and going yeah. through it. And all that yeah, there's so I mean there's some really fun, glamorous moments and fun I mean, I love being in the business because of like one of the biggest things is you travel the world, you see all these different locations. You know, been very fortunate to work on projects that have shot all over the United States, all over the world. And mm-hmm. that's awesome. Um, you know, obviously there's some great parties you go to, big events, the Emmy Awards, the Oscars, like these big fun things. But, and that's what everybody sees, but they don't right. see the day to day. And the business can have a very dark side to it too, where people can mm-hmm. be, you know, some people in power are very rude and disrespectful. And, but that's, I mean, it's that way. Another thing in, in a lot of businesses, you know, obviously you deal with egos and all that stuff, but but uh, I've been very fortunate. I will say that you were definitely one of the better people that I met in my time in that in that <laughs> world. Unborn. Yeah. Well, um, I'm glad. I'm glad that. I'm glad that that's the truth. <laughs> or I'm glad I, mean, that I think that, that speaks that. a lot also to like your family and stuff and how close you are with them and yeah, you know, just how rooted you are. I think. So. I think so. I think there's a lot of people that are in the business that are vagabonds or, or come from. Um, you know, places where they were probably mistreated growing up or n- never had it easy, not easy. I didn't have it easy growing up. I mean, my family wasn't wealthy. It wasn't like that, but I mean, mm-hmm. I, I have a very solid family, faith-based, great, just great, great people and, um, and caring. So I then, I hope can be the same to the people that I work with and for and have working under me. Yeah. Great values. 
Um, the entertainment business is notoriously fickle. Yeah. How have you found the confidence to stay in it, even with your uh, your parents in your early days, like mm -hmm. filling in the blanks and stuff? Mm -hmm. um, as you grow in your career, it doesn't get easier. It just gets harder, I guess, in a in a different way. It gets easier yeah. in a different way, but right. it's still very challenging. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, listen, we all, everybody always, I always thought starting out, I'm like, oh my gosh, if I made so much money a week, I'd be so much happier. And then you get to that place and you're like, if I made this much money, I'd be, you know, so it's always, you know, you're, you know, money always makes things a little bit easier. It does not make you happy. I've completely learned that, mm -hmm. um, you know, and I think a lot of people know that, but um, it is a very fickle business. It is also, uh, also within the last five or six, seven years, it's also a, a in a transition and rightfully yeah. so for equality and things like that. But it also gets frustrating when you see people getting jobs that over you that certainly aren't qualified for them, but they get them because they need to, the studio needs mm -hmm. to fill that position or whatever it is. That's frustrating. So it's very fickle, but, um, but listen, it's something that I absolutely love to do. I mean, I love being on set. I love being a part of it. I mean, it's crazy. It's stressful. It is nuts. These studios, sometimes studio executives are, crazy people that have demands that you're just like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Um, but you know, when you're in the midst of all that, it's very exciting and on top of it all, when you see the finished product to show that you've mm -hmm. worked on come out and people like it, it's very rewarding. So that part of it, you keeps you going, you know, even though there are days where you're just like, why am I doing this? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I'll but. say it's also like, <clears throat> excuse me, really great to be around such like-minded people when mm. you're in production mm -hmm. you know and everybody can understand what you're going through everybody's working crazy hours you mm. know early mornings late nights the whole thing and it becomes like a family 100%. and the, yeah and the time goes by so fast like you look up and yeah. the months have passed and you're already like yeah. in in post-production and you know morning yeah. those those horrible hours <laughs> at the crew <laughs> party or whatever yeah yeah Oh, no, I like I some of my closest friends, that uh, you know, from the time I've lived in Los Angeles, some of my closest friends are people from shows, obviously, like yourself, um, you know, and you go through the gamut uh, when you're working on these projects. You're right. It's just like it's insane, but you become a family and you're there supporting one another, especially when you're on location and you're mm -hmm. in a place that no one knows you. So you hang out with everybody on the crew and, um, you know, you just become like a family. Um, and that does help you get through the craziness too, because you yeah. know that everybody else is going through the same thing, except for some assistant that I knew at one point that worked for a star that pretty much just showed up for lunch. I can't remember her name. I don't know uh, who that is. I don't know who that is either. <laughs> I would just say she was probably very hungry. <laughs> yes. And, you know. Always, always hungry. <laughs> uh. Well. Yes. Let's move on. <laughs> I'm quite sure she did other things outside. She, did. I, she worked she worked too. very hard. I, I I am I am sure she worked very hard, yes. <laughs> I know she did. Speaking of which, I just rewatched Run Lola Run recently. Oh, not you did? long ago. Yes, yes, yes. It was so exciting to see Franca in her pre born days. Is she still acting? I assume so. Yeah, yeah. I just haven't yeah. seen her in anything real recent, but I mean, obviously a lot of her films were more foreign than American anyway, so. Yeah, you know, Small but. World, she ended up marrying a friend of mine's brother. Oh my gosh, it's so, that is crazy. Yeah, it is crazy. 
That's Hollywood great. for you, kids. That's Hollywood right. for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so tell us, what have been some of the, the best and the worst things about working in the business for you? Mm. <laughs> Um, well, like I said before, some of the best is traveling. You go, you get to see the world on somebody else's dime, which is amazing because they're paying you to be, you know, living in France and living in, you know, or going to Germany or go, you know, going to Australia, whatever it is, you know, it's, uh, you're, you're, it's great. You get to see and experience so many things. Um, also creativity, you get to just live out some of your wildest kind of fun things that you want to do, but you put them into these shows and into these projects and they come to life and that's awesome. Um, so that's a lot of fun. And mm -hmm. again, meeting all the people, I mean, it's just, it's amazing who I, I look back on like things that uh, people who I've met and, uh, had the opportunity to spend time with, whether they're in the business or because I have at an event or something where I'm meeting these people because of the position or job mm -hmm. that I find myself mm -hmm. in, um, has been fascinating. Um, some of the worst were just, you know, moments when you're working with divas and these people who are just out of control or their egos. I had a producer uh, who that I worked for on a crew as a production staff member. And, um, you know, she threw a stapler at me. She, oh, you know, uh, yelled like and swimming with sharks. Me. Yeah, swimming with sharks. I mean, there was a couple of times yeah. where I, yeah where I've worked for people where I'm like, Oh my gosh. And I, I would never name names. The nice part is one of the people is right. not even in the business anymore. And I don't think really did much after the movie that she was so out of control on that. I was on. Um, you should so send that's her a stapler as a Christmas present. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I should. Um, yeah. No, I mean, one of the times working on that project, like this is the kind of egos that, you know, pop up. She was not in the office yet, and I was there, and a big a person walked into the office. I was the production coordinator, and a big person a person walked in with a huge floral arrangement for the star of our movie, and it was coming from her agent, mm -hmm. and it was gorgeous. And I said, you know, who, you know, whatever God took it, I said, we'll make sure she gets it when she gets to set. And um, while I was signing for it or whatever, and the person was there from the agency who uh, brought it, um, she walked in and she was like, who the fuck? And, you know, says her name, thinks that they're so-and-so. Oh, and my. I'm like, what the heck? And I'm looking and then I looked at the driver and I was like, oh, did you park in her parking spot? And he was like, I was just dropping this off for like two minutes. I was like, uh. so I went in and I said, it's the delivery person from the agency for so-and-so, the actress. And she I don't care. And she parked her car behind him and made him sit there in the office for three hours till she left for lunch. I called the agency and said, oh, you know, I can't God. do anything about it. Uh, you can call this person if you want to, but this is what's happening. Um, I'm sorry that your staff member did this, but they are stuck and they can't leave. And this and, is the thing when people behave badly like that, how it puts you in this awful position, because then yes. you're the one that has yeah. to communicate that to the agent yes. uh, about what is happening. Yeah. Yeah, and whether you know, phone, you know, it, it's not me, but it still makes me look bad. It makes our whole production look bad. It made the whole thing look bad. And you know, this poor kid who's probably eighteen years old or seven, you know, eight right out of high so college, petty. whatever, didn't know anything about it, and he's probably going to end up losing his job because he, you know, did something really stupid. Which he'll certainly, he will. I'm sure he never parked in somebody else's parking spot again. But yeah, that was a tough lesson. Yeah, a tough lesson to learn. And, uh, you know, but it's also like, woman, 
I mean, you know, give me the keys to your car. I'll go move it. We'll get your right. car parked. But right. no, no, no. So, yeah, that was very interesting. <laughs> yeah. More that glamour. More that Hollywood glamour. What's that? I said more that Hollywood glamour. Yeah, more that Hollywood glamour. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Oh, God. These people. Um, tell me, what is the one thing that you wish people knew about being a Hollywood producer? Um, well, that it's not as glamorous as it seems. It is a job. It is a huge mm -hmm. job when you're on, you know, when you're on a project, um, you know, even, you know, if, you, whether you created it or if you're hired as a freelance producer, you are then responsible to this network or studio for, you know, their budget coming in on budget, uh, and also creating a product, a product that is enjoyable for people to watch that they would then turn around and make money on. So, you know, if, if they hire you to oversee six episodes and they're like, okay, here's $4 million to shoot this show for, you know, six episodes of a show, you have to make sure that you bring that show in on or under budget and you don't mm -hmm. have issue. You know, there's a lot of, and there's so many, uh, you know, components that go into making a show. Um, and it all has to work together or else it doesn't work. And that's, you know, yeah. that's one thing. I think people think producers just sit on set and watch everything happening. And I don't know what they think, but it's like, it's a right. lot of work, you know, you know, 14, 15 hour days or longer, um, you know, and just, you're just literally stressing. making everything happen on set. Yeah. You're making, you are, you're making everything happen. And when something's not happening on the fly, thinking about how to fix it. Yep. You know, um, I can't, I, I've, I've only done one thing that was live television. I cannot imagine doing live television, uh, for a career because the stress of having it be live is crazy, but, um, that you must know, be like but, being an air traffic controller. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, because one mistake, the whole show yeah. cr you know, is crashed and burns yeah. <laughs> at least, at least when you're shooting something and have the positive, you know, have the, you have the luck of having post to try to fix it in post. That's right. the big thing. We'll fix it in post. But, you know, that doesn't solve all the problems either, you know, so. Right, right. Um, but yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot of work. I mean, I think people think it's all glamorous, but it's it's not. But it's not. Yeah. Um, which has been more rewarding for you, working in TV or film? Hmm. Or are they two um, different? Well, I think they're, well, they are they're different. I think they, I, I mean, the truth is for me as a physical producer, I, I'm not in script. When you have scripted projects, there's physical producing. And then a lot of the producers are the writers and creators of the show. Mm -hmm. um, I, you know, with me, I'm the physical producer. So I would be more in charge of making sure everything's happening. Mm -hmm. Excuse me. And then there'd be another producer on a scripted project. that would be the writer who would work with the actors and the director and make sure that the, the scenes are not done properly. Excuse me. Where I would be mm -hmm. more physical on the scripted side. I don't think there's any difference in producing a television show scripted or reality or, or scripted film in that regard, because the, the crews are similar, the way that things work are similar, the way it all comes together is similar. So it's not as big of a deal. Mm -hmm. um, whereas uh, television, the thing about television that I enjoy better is that it's faster. You know, you, yeah, yeah. in the time that you do a movie and get it through pre-production shooting and post, you could have filmed like two or three TV shows right? because it's right. much faster, right. much faster. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. That um, is but sure. I enjoy both. I mean, what I do really enjoy uh, that I miss because I do all reality mostly now is uh, mm -hmm. I miss the actors. 
You know, mm. I loved being on set. I love being on set with actors and seeing them and the sets and all the design, like Cruel Intentions, I mentioned Cruel Intentions. The sets that we built for the interiors of the mansions that these kids lived in were so exquisite. And Denise Wingate, our costume designer, I, I love costume designers. I did a movie that was absolute trash. I worked on it as a production assistant, but uh, but um, the the costume designer, um, uh, Roth, um, Anne Roth, Roth mm -hmm. was the costume designer. And she's done every major movie. And she just won an Oscar for uh, um, the Ray Fiennes movie that was in Africa. What was that movie? Um, uh, shoot. Oh, 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 I know what you're talking about. Um, the one that came out with Jessica Chastain. That no, one? no, no, it was no, no, that an was, older one? Uh, this was Ray Fines and the plane crashes in the desert and he gets disfigured. Oh, uh, English patient, English patient. So yep. she had just won an Oscar or was, you know, for that. And she just was phenomenal. And I would sit in her, in her costume shop and just listen to the stories. And I mm -hmm. just fell in love with her and she's just amazing. And obviously uh, Matt Damon, you know, on, on born identity, watching him work and, and then getting to know him as a person and just fun. That's just, I loved all right. that. I miss no. being on set too, <clears throat> excuse me, and working with actors because you very quickly see that these are just people, mm -hmm. you know, obviously they're famous and so mm -hmm. for a reason, but they are literally just people just, and to get yeah. to know <laughs> the other side to them yes. is, um, is really fascinating and fun. Um, yeah. Yeah. It really, most, all, all the 90, glamour, the glamour is, is stripped away immediately. Yes, and ninety five percent of the time people. it's fantastic. But you know, once in a while you meet one that you're just like, Oh, I'd rather have never met them. But yeah. most of the time they're just awesome people, you know, and mm -hmm. they and the nice part is when you're on set like that, they're comfortable because they're around people that know what they're doing. You know, it's the safe environment for them so they can actually be yeah. themselves. Whereas yes. opposed to if you run into them on the street, they may people are like, Oh my god, they're so rude. It's like, no, they're not rude. They just don't know you and they're not gonna be open and carefree with you because they don't know you. It doesn't right. mean that they're disrespectful or they don't like you. It just means that they don't know you from Adam. <laughs> so why just do they like any normal person would not That's immediately right. be open and warm and fuzzy to someone yeah, they don't yeah. know. It's the same thing. I mean, thing. people come people come up to you and I, like stranger comes up to me. I don't immediately act like myself. I'm like, whoa, who you know, what is this? Right. So yep. Yeah, it's like if people come up to me asking me if I play basketball and then get offended at my response, <laughs> if I don't immediately start shucking and jiving for them and acting like that's the most original thing I've heard this week. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm sorry, did I ask you if you golf? Exactly. <laughs> or bowl? Because <laughs> uh, you, you look have a good arm there. Are you a bowler? <laughs> Homer Simpson better watch out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my word. That's hilarious. Mm -hmm. Mm -mm. Um, tell me, Herb, what has been yeah. the biggest risk you've taken in your career? And how has it paid off, assuming that mm -hmm. it has? Well, I think, you know, I, uh, especially uh, in, the, in, the most, in the more recent years, uh, really standing up and saying, I'm ready to show run. And mm -hmm. ready to executive produce and be the person that is the, on at least on set. It doesn't mean the final. I'm not the final answer because it's still answer to the studio and stuff. But on set, I'm the showrunner. I'm the the final word. Um, I you know standing up for myself and saying that's what I'm ready to do, and then having to you know wait until and get to the like find someone who's willing to take that risk on me, and then yeah. also me taking that risk on myself. 
because again, like I said, the responsibility, you know, all lies on your shoulders. So uh, that was a risk. And can you, you know? tell us what the difference between show running and executive producing is? Yeah. Well, yes, there's, there are executive producers who are, are, are part of the show that might be studio executives or create mm -hmm. the people who created the show, found the talent, created the idea yep. or whatever. And then there are executive producers who are showrunners. And that person is the person who like is it, it for my role would be uh, working directly with the entire crew and staff, making sure that everybody you know has a schedule. We have, we know exactly what we're shooting. We have the right crew. We have the right locations. We have the right cameras. We have that, you know, you, you are in charge of all of that. And then on the shooting days, you're on set, making sure that you are getting through your day. Uh, you know, even in reality shows, you don't just pick up the cameras and start shooting. You have specific things that you want to cover right. on a day, like with the housewives. If it's, you know, if we know that several of the housewives are getting together for a lunch, then that's what we, and we need, or, or we know we need them to get together. Like if there was a big party at one of their houses and something happened at that party, mm -hmm. then we know the next day we need to send a few of them to lunch or to dinner or shopping or something to where they can get together yeah. to discuss what happened the night before and to carry right. the story forward story forward. You don't tell them what to say by any means. It is reality right. that way. But like, you know, if two of the women got into a huge argument or disagreement at the party, then the next day you, you know, you send each one of them or we make sure each one of them has contact with other cast members so that they talk about what happened and yeah. move the story forward. Um, yeah, create so a little bit more tension. Are, are what the showrunner is involved in, yeah. I see, I see. Um, yeah. Speaking of the Housewives, uh, how did you land on that show, and which one has been oh, the most memorable? <laughs> yeah. Gosh. Well, I, the, it, it's interesting. There's a website for people looking for jobs, uh, mm -hmm. you know, called staff me up. And, uh, ironically I got the only job I've ever gotten was I got a phone call from the company that does the real housewives of Beverly Hills. Um, and they were looking for a field producer. That's I started with housewives. I started lower down on the ring as I, mean, I ended up as co-EP, but I first started out field producer. Uh, which means that, you know, on that show, there are several camera teams that follow because there's so many women. So the camera teams each have a producer that go out every day and film with different wives. Right. Um, so that's how I got that job. And then um, over the years, moved into supervising, producing, and then co-executive producing. Um, of the housewives, they're they're all individually. They're all so different. Uh, all mm -hmm. the women are fantastic. I just, I loved all of them. I never... There wasn't one that I never didn't really like. Um, mm -hmm. Some of them I'm closer to in the aftermath, meaning that after the show, we keep in touch with each other. Um, mm -hmm. I think so. I think the most memorable, uh, I don't, that's a hard one, Beverly Hills and New Jersey, but they're so different. Yeah. Um, yeah, the New Jersey women are just in your face, balls out, like just <laughs> crazy. Uh, but they're all the, the nicest, funnest people, but they are, they're, you know, they're, they're out there where the women of Beverly Hills are a little bit more refined, a little bit more, you know, to themselves, uh, but very, you know, super sweet too. I, I mean, but I fell in love. I started on the show the same season as Lisa Renna did on Beverly Hills. And to this day, she and I still communicate and she's lovely mm -hmm. and a lot of fun. And, you know, she left the show, I think last season, but she's awesome. I love Kyle. Um, I, you know, I'm very close to Margaret Marge on Housewives of New Jersey. Um, mm -hmm. I love her and her husband are great. Um, but 
all the girls on New Jersey I really liked. So, you know, they're all what an they're exactly what you see on TV. You know, they are who they they are who they are. You know, right, 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 right. <laughs> um, my last couple of questions for you, Herb. What are you mm-hmm. reading right now? What am I? Oh, oh, oh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Besides scripts. <laughs> oh, my phone. Um, you know what? I hate to say it. I'm not the biggest reader on the planet, uh, which is horrible. Uh, you know, um, right now I probably, the last book that I, uh, that I am reading that I'll take with me on my trip, I'm getting ready to go out on vacation. Um, I'm taking the Elton John biography, his, his autobiography. Um, you know, I've, I've been very fortunate over the years to go to Elton John's Oscar viewing party a number mm-hmm. of times and have met him a few times. And he's just really intriguing me. So when his book came out, I wanted to read it. So I'm reading that. He must right be now. an amazing person to, to be around. Yeah. Talk he's, about a creative. Yeah. Person. I met him Goodness. the first time I met him. He was on extreme makeover home edition. Actually, I booked him uh, to come and he donated a piano to a family that had three children that they had adopted that have HIV. So he mm. came on and, um, and did a performance for us to raise money for them and donated a red piano signed by him to the family for the, the new home. Um, and that's how I met him. And that's how I started getting invited to his Oscar event. And it just kind of has kept up with that. And he's uh, the few times I've sat and actually talked to him for a few minutes. He's, you know, incredibly engaging and yeah. really sweet. Yeah. yeah. So, but um, so I'm reading his book, um, but you know, I, again, terrible, but I'm not a big reader. <laughs> well, if you're on set 15, 20 hours a day, yeah. it's probably yeah. hard to find some time. Yeah. Yeah. We'll let that one slide then. But okay. the next time you come back on this podcast, you, I, you tell me. I will have a new book. <laughs> yes, I will. I'll find one to read. <laughs> and uh, my last question for you is yeah. what piece of music inspires you? What piece of music? I love big instrumental mu- music soundtracks. Like I love uh, the the Hans Zimmer, like from Inception. Um, yeah. You know, I, I love the soundtrack from um, Legends of the Fall. You know, just these yeah. great big instrumental pieces. Um, you know, I, I love, but I also I'm I'm a I'm a, a product of my childhood, so I love like U two. I listen to U two mm-hmm. all the time. You um, should read. Uh, his book. I finished it over the summer. Excuse oh, you did. Me. Surrender. Book, oh, okay. So, oh, you good. Need another yeah. book after that's from. That. I mean, that that's his book. The main, the main guy. Yeah. Uh, I might draw a blank on a ridiculous, huh? Bono. Bono. Yeah. Yeah. Bono. Oh my gosh. Uh, <laughs> put on the spot. Uh, but yes. Uh, so I I love them. I love you know. So, you know. I, but but really, as far as inspiring me goes, I, again, I love the big instrumental music soundtracks. Yeah. So. You know what music soundtrack I've been listening to uh, mm. for the last probably like two years that I really like? Did mm. you see that show, Normal People? It was on Hulu? Yes. Yeah. Okay. That soundtrack, yeah. I just find it so beautiful. Oh, yeah. I'll have to listen to it. Yeah. Yeah. I love it's that not series. This, like, you know, huge Jaws esque yeah. thing. But uh, well, I remember that show is very kind of calm and very, you know, a lot of drama, yeah. but very yeah, emotional. Exactly. And the soundtrack reflects that. Yes. Nice. It's nice. Nice. It's nice. All right, Herb. Thank you so much for coming on. You're I welcome. really enjoyed this conversation. Our little well, entertainment walks down memory lane. And <laughs> just to make it clear, so folks know, um, I was that person that maybe would call her around lunchtime to see what was on the menu in Paris and in Prague. 
But she's also the one that I was hanging out with her in Mr. Damon's trailer. And I decided that I needed to use the restroom. Should I share this story, Trinette? Please. Uh, this is a born I identity was, I was, where Herb and I, I, I met. Born identity, born identity years ago, 2000. And I was going to leave the trailer to go use the restroom in, our, in my trailer. And Trinette was like, oh, just go. Like, Matt's on set. He's filming. He's not going to be. Oh, I was like, no, I can't use his bathroom. And so she's like, never mind. He's, and of course, he is the nicest guy. So it's not like a huge deal. Yeah. But you just don't do this that. This was an Imperia when yeah, they were I mean, shooting the his, opening scene. Yes. He was out in floating Italy, in the yeah. middle of the ocean. Yeah. So I was like, like okay. He ain't coming and he back. back. Just go pee. Uh, <laughs> so I go into the bathroom and I literally am two seconds into the whole thing. And the door opens and I hear Matt's voice. <laughs> Stuck in the bathroom in Matt Damon's trailer. Thanks to Miss Trinette Faint. And then, you know, Matt's like, Herb, what are you doing? <laughs> I was like, I told him not to use it. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> exactly. I have no idea what he's doing in there. I told him to go to his own trailer. <laughs> that was so oh, funny. Oh, my so God. So funny. What a night. And then that I proceeded to fall out of the trailer leaving. I was so yes. embarrassed. Do you remember that? Yep. Yeah. Do Tripped, tripped on the stairs, fell out of the trailer. See you, Matt. Thanks. See you tomorrow on set. Have a nice night. Hollywood yeah. movie magic. Yes. <laughs> Little did we know he was in a speedboat on his way back to the trip. His way back. Thanks for the communication to the first AD. <laughs> so, yeah. Anytime. Anytime. <laughs> All right, Herb. Thank you so much. This was so much All fun. I right, love. See All right. Uh, thanks for listening, folks, to another episode of My Time, My Life. Until next time, take care. Bye. My Time, My Life with Trinette Faint is a Floor 51 production.